just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope all is going well for you. Yeah, I know, I've been gone for a few days. It's been sub-zero temperatures in Minnesota. My wife and I were getting tired of it. We decided we need to go someplace warm, if only for a few days. And that's what we did. We headed down to Palm Springs, California. A lot of people ask me, why Palm Springs? I don't know. We've never been to Palm Springs. It seems like a nice place. It seems like it's warm. So why not go to Palm Springs? That's what we did. And I got to be honest with you, once we got there, uh, Palm Springs is a delightful place. It's uh, very quiet, very calm, kind of quaint, kind of small townish, but still spread out. Um, kind of retro in a lot of areas, you know, the 50s and 60s, especially the hotel we stayed in. It's a hotel called Skylark. It's in uptown uh, Palm Springs. It was an amazing place. From the outside, it was kind of nondescript. But once you walked into the doors, you saw this beautiful courtyard. It had grass, which is odd down there. had the pool and had a fire. And uh, it was a very scenic thing. And it was at night, so everything was lit up. And uh, this hotel was kind of like a motor lodge, except all the doors faced in toward the courtyard and the pool and such. But uh, we got up to the room. We were pleasantly surprised that it was clean, it was nice, it was well-decorated. And the thing about it was, this hotel wasn't highly expensive. It was moderately uh, priced, and uh, we had a great time there. We thought it was wonderful. The people in the hotel were very nice, named Skylark. If you go to Palm Springs, you may want to check it out. But uh, we got to do a lot of things down there. We didn't have a lot of time, so we went around seeing different things. I think the most exciting thing we did is go up something called the tram. This is uh, like a, it seems like a big cable car on cords that went up, I believe it was San Jacinto Mountain, or one of those mountains in that area. And it was a cool thing. You got in these big cars, 80 people at a time in this car, and it went from the base up to 8,500 square feet at the top of the mountain. And at the top of the mountain, they had restaurants, a bar, uh, area where you can take selfies and just sightsee and that sort of thing. It was really a, really a cool thing. Now, when we were getting ready to go up this mountain, I said to my wife, I said, uh, is this going to make you nervous? Because you're kind of up high here. Oh, no, this won't be a problem. <laughs> well, we got under the cable car-like thing and started headed up toward the mountain and up to the top of the mountain and it scared the shit out of my wife. She was nervous as hell about going up this thing. She couldn't look out the window. She was so nervous. Now, it doesn't really bother me because that kind of thing doesn't bother me. But what was weird about it, you're going up in this car. You got 80 people in this car. And you're high, but you're near the mountains. So it was really weird to me when we were going up. I was looking out one of the windows and the rocks, the edges from the side of the mountain, it seemed like I could put my arm out the window and touch it. I thought, that's, you know, that's kind of close for something being this high. But we got up to the top. It was great. 
they had, like I say, they had restaurants. They had a sightseeing area. They even had a uh, hiking area. My wife said, you want to go hiking? I go, no. <laughs> I didn't come here to put mileage on my pedometer. I came here to see what this is all about. Now, the funny thing is, when you go up 8,500 feet, it gets colder. And as we're going up there, we're seeing all these people really bundled up, really covered head to toe in clothes. We saw some little kids with sleds coming up. They're going to go sliding up there. And I'm thinking, well, geez, I got a light coat. My wife's got a light coat. Hopefully this will be enough when we get up there. I have no idea how cold it's going to be when we get to the top. Well, we got out there. The sun's shining. It's about 42 degrees. And for us, from being from Minnesota, it was fucking beautiful. All these other people were freezing their ass off coming from wherever they came from. But it was a wonderful experience. And if you go to Palm Springs, when I told people I was going to Palm Springs, every one of them said to me, do the tram. And I can reiterate that to you. If you go to Palm Springs, by all means, do the tram. It's an amazing thing. Funny thing is, when we were coming down, didn't bother my wife at all. She wasn't nervous at all. She was standing with her nose against the window, enjoying every bit of it. Going up, she had a problem. Coming down, she was fine. Now, the worst part of the trip is always going home, no matter where you go. But in this situation, it was even worse. You go to the airport, and the airport in Palm Springs is kind of cool because you walk in, and then they got this big open courtyard where you can hang out and wait for the planes to come in and such, and then you go up the stairs and walk down a hall, and that's where your gate is. Palm Springs Airport, much smaller than the things I've experienced at Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport, uh, LAX, Phoenix, all the other places. This is very small and very nice. And we're sitting there before the plane is getting ready to load. 80-degree weather. It's absolutely beautiful. The sun is shining. We're getting a little suntan, blue skies. It's a beautiful place. So then our plane comes. We go up the steps. We get on the plane. We fly three hours. We get off three hours later. We get out of the plane. We're going to our car in the parking ramp. It's fucking minus 10. We've got a temperature change of freaking 90 degrees. Now, being born and raised in Minnesota, I'm not unaccustomed to um, minus 10 temperatures. I've never learned to fucking like it. I hate it. But to go from 80 degrees to now go get in your car, have to sit there and freeze your ass off for 15 minutes while it's warming up, and then taking off and realizing, shit, I need gas. And it's 1130, 12 o'clock midnight. So we got to find a gas station that actually has ability to get gas at that time of night. We find it. I got to stand outside for the next 10 minutes, filling the car up. Then I got to get back in, heat up again, and finally get home, wrap up in some covers, and go to sleep about 1.30. So that was the worst part of the trip. But I tell you what, now that I've been to Palm Springs, I guarantee I will go back. It was very simple to handle it. Now, normally we go places and, and, and we rent a car. I hate renting cars. It's always a pain in the ass to me, and it's always more money than I think it's worth. But sometimes you have no choice other than to get around. But we got in late, and we were only going to be there till Monday night. So I said, let's just do the fucking Uber thing. Now, I've never done anything with Uber or Lyft, so I had no idea what I was getting into. But we were pleasantly surprised. Since we were near downtown, we were pretty close to everything. 
No trip cost us more than 12, 13, 14, 15 bucks, and it was way cheaper than renting a car. So I'm glad we did what we did at that point. But we're back now in Minneapolis. <clears throat> Yesterday it was minus 15. Today, later today, it's going to get up in the 20s, and that's tolerable in this part of the country this time of year. So, a fun trip. If you ever get a chance to go to Palm Springs, I would recommend it. But I'm back now. We're back on track. We're back on our regular schedule. Now, from time to time, I get uh, emails and voicemails that I'll pass along to you, and I have an email that came to me a couple of days ago. It says, hey, Mike, can't begin to tell you how much I enjoy listening to your podcast and TikTok videos. Thank you very much. I do have a question for you. I'm trying to understand how so many Americans could be so gullible. Donald Trump is a con man, and he's not a particularly good con man. I concur. How could nearly 90% of the Republican Party fall prey to his bullshit? Some of these folks actually believe that he won the election, and it's crystal clear to any rational thinking person that it's all BS. I don't get it, Mike. How could so many Americans be so stupid? Thank you for your time, and keep up the great work. Bruce L. Well, Bruce, thank you very much, and that is a uh, good question. I think it's a question we've all asked many times, and I do have some theories about it. First of all, I've often said that uh, in the four years Donald Trump was president, I have been found it disconcerting finding out just how many dumb people there are in this country. If you just take Donald Trump's base of, say, 30, 33 percent, that's a lot of people. You know, if we're in a country of 330 million, we're talking maybe as many as 100 million people that are seemingly stupid or willing to go along with a lie just to pursue their agenda. Either way, they're despicable people, and I don't have a lot of time for them. But the question he has is, is uh, how so many Americans could be so gullible? Well, they're gullible because they want to be gullible. They're finally getting information that they can relate to. My theory here is everybody talks about for a while prior to Donald Trump how racism was getting better. And it really wasn't getting better. It's just that these people that are racist have these mentalities and these evil and criminal ideas they were kind of pushed down under their rocks. They lived under their rocks. They were always there. They just weren't as obvious to us because they weren't in our faces like they are now. So these people have always been stupid. They've always been a little on the evil side. And um, it's not so much that they're gullible, but when Donald Trump came in as president, he then made it safe for these people to come out from under their rocks. And because the president was talking that way, they felt comfortable in talking about their racist values and uh, some of the lying and cheating and things they did. These people have felt like they've been throttled communicatively for years and decades. And when somebody comes along and gives them the opportunity to stand up and speak out, well, they're going to grab a hold of that and they're going to take advantage of it. They're going to exploit it any way they possibly can. And that's what they've done. So are they stupid? Yeah, they're absolutely fucking stupid. Are they evil? And do they have some agenda that they're willing to lie about? 
Yes, that's true, too. There is a certain percentage of people in this country that are just bad people or dumb people or evil people. And unfortunately, most of them like to follow Donald Trump because Donald Trump speaks their language. White supremacy, autocracy, those sorts of things. That's the kinds of things they like. They want to be a tough guy, but they aren't really tough guys. They're bullies. And bullies, whenever they've been knocked down, somebody made this quote one time, uh, Donald Trump is a bully who's never had his nose bloody. And what they mean by that is that uh, no one's ever called him out or no one's ever smacked him on the snout so that he understands you don't need to do this shit, otherwise you're going to have a problem. He's always gotten away with it because his dad had money, then he allegedly had money, he had a certain amount of power, and everybody just kind of bended over to him. That's the funny thing about people with money. There is a certain amount of people that will bow to anybody with a lot of money. And why, I don't know. Do they think this guy's going to give them money because they're kissing his ass? I don't know. I lived in a town, a suburb, probably 10, 15 years ago. And there was a gentleman who worked there, or lived there, and he owned a company. And he was probably the wealthiest guy in the town. Now, this guy was, without question, an asshole. He was a dick. And I'm sure I haven't talked to him in years, but uh, I'm sure he is a Trumper, too, because that's just the personality. He's a narcissist. He was a racist. He was a misogynist. And he was an asshole. And he thought he could get away with it because he was wealthy. And turned out he could to a large degree. Now, people all around town would all say the same things when he wasn't around. Oh, he's an asshole. He's a jerk. I hate that guy. But whenever he was around, they were bowing and scraping to this guy like nobody's business, laughing at stupid jokes and trying to be his buddy. Well, in my lifetime, I've known people that are famous and I've known people that are wealthy. And the one thing I know about those people is they are just like people like you and me. I'm not bending over for fucking anybody. I don't care if you're a movie star or rich or famous. You're no different than me. You're no better than me or anybody else. So when I finally met this guy, he asked me to do him a favor. It was uh, he was coaching basically peewee football, okay? And because I'd been in radio, they'd ask me to do the PA announcements for the high school football teams my kids were playing. And so when this guy had this peewee league or whatever it was, they had their championship, and they were given the opportunity to do it on the high school field. So it was a big deal for the little kids. And he asked me if I'd do the PA for it. I said, sure, anything for the little kids. And I did that for him. And uh, he was appreciative of it. And after that, he he gave me a certain amount of respect. He was never an asshole around me. But I watch how people act around him, and it was frustrating. And that's the same thing we're seeing with Donald Trump and uh, all these trump They somehow look up to somebody who has things or presumably has things that they can never attain, and that might be fame, and that might be money, that might be power. So they look to them in hopes that someday they could get a grasp of something like that, and they figure if they're going to hang out or side with people like these, maybe they'll get their chance, even though they're just stupid losers, and that chance will never happen. They weren't born into it. And that was the only way Donald Trump was going to get it, and that's the way he got it. So the answer to your question is this. 
These people have always been around. They've just been hiding under rocks until Donald Trump said, Ollie Ollie in free. It's okay now. You can come out and be asshole, racist, misogynistic, anti-Semitic pieces of shit. It's okay. It's acceptable. And that's what we've got now. At some point, we've got to push them back under the rocks. We can never get rid of them. We're not going to change their minds or ideology. We're just going to have to stifle them. We're going to have to throttle them and get them out of the system like they once were. That doesn't fix racism. We've got a long ways to go with racism and misogyny and all this stuff. But we could at least quiet the fuckers down because we don't want them having any power, authority, or even any say in anything. So that's the goal here. I am surprised there are just this many of these stupid people. But but they are there, and they will continue to be there. All we can do is try to shut their mouths. Now, you know, um, there's been a, a lot of talk about the DOJ. You know, the DOJ has been prosecuting the uh, foot sh- soldiers at the insurrection that broke into the uh, U.S. Capitol. But everybody's wondering, what about the higher-end people, the people in Congress that were helping out, or the uh, White House, or the Oval Office, or even Donald Trump and his family himself? Why aren't they going after them? And to be perfectly honest with you, we haven't seen much out of the DOJ. They indicted Steve Bannon. But they haven't done anything with Mark Meadows. We've heard nothing about the insurrection and the congressman and the uh, White House at all from them. So everybody's sitting here wondering, what the hell is the DOJ doing? What the hell is the DOJ doing? And it got me thinking about who is doing something. And there's a woman by the name of Fonnie Willis. She is the DA from Fulton County, Georgia. Now, she's investigating the uh, attempt that Donald Trump made to uh, coerce the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. We all heard the phone call. That's a crime on audio tape. That should be a slam dunk. And Fawny has been investigating this for some time, and now she asks for a special grand jury. Now, everybody was wondering, will she get it? Will she get it? Because this is a rare thing in Georgia. You don't get special grand juries in Georgia. And a special grand jury is different than a regular grand jury. A grand jury, you just take your information, you drop it in front of them, and they decide whether you can indict or not. The special grand jury is more of an investigative type thing. It gives Fonnie Willis more power in her investigations, meaning she gets to subpoena pretty much anybody she wants. We know this primarily revolves around a um, phone call that Donald Trump made to Brad Raffensperger saying, all I need to do is find 11,780 votes. That's all you need to do. Well, that in itself is a fucking crime. But apparently when we're talking about these crimes, intent matters. Intent. Did he just not know what was going on and made some stupid statement? Well, you know, that's fucking ridiculous. So Fawny Willis knows this crime's been committed. Now she needs to verify the intent was to overthrow or overturn the election. So now with the special grand jury, she can send out subpoenas. She can send it out to Brad Raffensperger, who is the Secretary of State, and he did say 
he would not testify unless he got a subpoena from the courts. So now he will get that. She can also subpoena all the people that were on the phone call with he and uh, Donald Trump because there's advisors and people listening to this shit. She can even subpoena Donald Trump, Donald Trump's family, if they were involved. He can, she can, or uh, he can, or she can subpoena um, Lindsey Graham because we know that Lindsey Graham made a couple calls and Rudy Giuliani. We know he went down there to talk to him, I think. So, This gives her a lot of power, and it also suggests that she's very much toward the end of the investigation. She's just tying loose ends up, dotting the I's and crossing the T's, and getting trying to get some verification. Now, some of you might be saying, well, subpoenas don't need anything, mean anything. Nobody's going to show up for that. Well, it's a much different thing when you're talking about a court as opposed to Congress. You see, Congress can't charge anybody and can't convict anybody. They can only refer to the DOJ, but in the case with the state and Fonnie Willis, if they decide not to come and accept a subpoena, well, she can charge them and she can prosecute them and she can put them in jail. And she will if they refuse to show up. So these people will not have the luxury of not showing up like they do with the DOJ. And so um, it's going to be interesting. The biggest problem here, if they subpoena Donald Trump, is Donald Trump has a little trouble with something we like to call the fucking truth. He can't tell the truth. I don't even think he recognizes the truth. All he does is open his mouth and says whatever he thinks will cover his ass. Unfortunately for him, he's not very bright, and usually when he opens his mouth, he just makes it worse for him. But if he gets up in court under subpoena and he lies in front of court, well, now that's perjury. That's another charge. That's another trial and another potential convictions. Let's be honest. Donald Trump's got a lot of issues going on. He's got Georgia. He's got New York State with uh, Attorney General Letitia James. But he's also got the Manhattan District in New York. He's also got Washington, D.C., all kinds of lawsuits there. And he's got the insurrection. He's going to get subpoenaed there too, ultimately. They're getting closer every day. So Donald Trump has a lot of problems. And when he found out that they had this special grand jury, he had to be positively shitting his pants because all his little tricks, all his money, whatever power he had as president doesn't fucking matter. He's got to show up and he's got to talk. And his crime, unfortunately, is on audio tape. And with all this information, there was another prosecutor in Georgia that quit very quickly in the midst of all this. And apparently Donald Trump had called this this prosecutor and said, if you don't do this, we're going to fire you. So you better resign. So he resigned very quickly. He didn't want to be involved in all this criminal activity. So he's going to be talked to, too. So it'll be pretty clear to understand what the intent is. And when Donald Trump uh, gets subpoenaed, it will be interesting. And then it will be ultimately decided whether they're going to indict him. And frankly, they wouldn't have done all this stuff if they hadn't had an intention of indicting him. Donald Trump will get indicted. Giuliani will get indicted. Lindsey Graham will get indicted. And who knows who else? But that's going to be a shit show down there. But here's what I found interesting about this whole thing. 
We keep wondering about the DOJ. What are they doing? When are they going to do something? Are they doing anything at all with regards to the insurrection or some of this stuff happening? And we haven't really heard much. You know, Merrick Garland got up and says, everybody will be looked at and uh, held to the letter of the law. Well, that's fine, but we haven't seen anything and we haven't heard anything. Now, typically, the DOJ won't talk about investigations because they don't want to tip anybody off. But still, it's a troublesome for us, the general public, to hear this or not hear this and try to think that, are these people just going to get away with it? Are they just going to forget about it? Or are they going to focus on something else? Well, when I did the TikTok about Fonnie Willis, I said, you know, Mayor Garland ought to be looking at Fonnie Willis very quick or very closely because Fonnie Willis is out to kick Donald Trump's ass and anybody tied to him. She is hustling. She's mean. She's a prosecutor. And she's taking names and kicking some asses with Donald Trump. And I said in the TikTok, Merrick Garland ought to be watching Fonnie Willis pretty soon because if Merrick Garland isn't doing something, uh, Fonnie Willis may very well end up taking his fucking job. Well, having not heard anything from the DOJ about Donald Trump and what they were doing, I was pleased to hear something uh, by the Deputy Attorney General or Assistant Attorney General. can't remember her name. Uh, but anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, we've got the situation with all these fake certificates and the fake electors signing it from as many as seven states around the country. Now, each of the states is looking at this for potential crimes, maybe even treason or sedition or obstruction, whatever they want to call it. They are looking at it. And these people are being exposed, and I don't think they had any idea the kind of trouble that they could get in. But I was pleased to find out that federal prosecutors are now looking at those phony certificates and the phony electors. So the DOJ is looking at all these electors, these fake electors that signed this thing. I mean, that's the stupid thing about it. Here are these certificates signed by people. They're clearly forged. They're attempting to overturn elections, maybe overthrow the government, and they signed their names to it, and they were proud of it. I'm sure they were convinced that they would never get any trouble over this, but this is a serious offense. This is like a 20 years in jail offense. So now all of these people have to be shitting their pants when the states were looking into it. But the good news is apparently the DOJ is looking at it now, and that's even a bigger issue. You, uh, you um, have a federal felony, you got some fucking problems, dude. And these people are going to be in some trouble. All right, let's take a quick break. We will be back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. All right, we got a lot of things to get through. Let's see if we can do it. Well, Joe Biden is putting 8,500 American troops on alert regarding the Russia-Ukraine border issue. 
We've been talking about how Russia is putting up to now 100,000 troops near the Ukraine border, threatening to invade. Of course, everybody is in a tizzy about it. Obviously, Ukraine. Funny, though, Ukraine is trying to tone it down a little bit, that it's not as serious. I'm not sure what they're, why they're doing that. But clearly, the Americans and most of Europe is worried about this. And they keep telling Vladimir Putin that, look, if you fucking do this, we're going to sanction the shit out of you. And the problem is, is their economy is shaky. And what Joe Biden could do would really cripple the economy in Russia. And I can't believe that they would be willing to risk that. Now, Joe Biden's saying he'd even be willing to sanction Vladimir Putin himself. Now, I wondered what he meant by that. Vladimir Putin is a billionaire. He's probably one of the richest men in the world. Unfortunately, for people looking at it, none of it is in his names. So Vladimir Putin doesn't show like he has a lot of money, but he does. So what he's done is he's handed the money over to oligarchs, and then the oligarchs put it in trust, oftentimes in the United States. So Vladimir Putin has a ton of money over here through the oligarchs. So one of the things Joe Biden is talking about, you know, they're talking about the oil pipeline, not certifying it from, um, from what, what is it, from Russia to England, something like that. And, and they don't certify that, and that will cost them a lot of money. Um, he would cause them not to be able to use the U.S. dollar. I'm not quite sure what that means, but apparently it has to do with selling exports. The amount of exports we get from them is minimal. It really wouldn't cause us much of a problem. You know, that's not going to hurt us. But what I understand, one of the things Joe Biden could do is he could put sanctions on the oligarch, meaning freezing any money that's in the United States. Can't freeze anything that's over in Russia or in any other parts of the world, but anything in the United States. And there's a sizable sum of money with oligarchs in this country. Now, if what we heard is true, that oligarchs have trust funds with a bunch of Vladimir Putin's money in it, that means Vladimir Putin's money would be frozen. And that could take a different different toll on Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin is very much like Donald Trump in that he's a narcissist. He only cares about himself. He's a sociopath. He's a pathological liar. The only difference between Putin and uh, Donald Trump is that Putin is way smarter, way smarter and way more dangerous. He's a dangerous character. You know, we listen to Fox News keep saying, well, why don't we side with the Russians? Jesus Christ, I'm 61 years old. From the time I was born up until Donald Trump was in office, Russia was an evil empire. We had the fucking Cold War, for Christ's sake. You want to side with the Russians now? Is that what the Republicans really want to be noted for? siding with the Russians over America? Well, they sure tried to do that. Donald Trump did that with Vladimir Putin kissing his ass, having spies in the Oval Office months after he was um, put into the office. I mean, it's it's been ridiculous how much the Republicans kowtow to, to uh, Russians. And the fact of the matter is, you do that, and they will take advantage of you. 
Now, Vladimir Putin will flatter Donald Trump, and then he'll work him for anything he can fucking get. So now I hope that Joe Biden follows through with what he said. Now, the one thing I would say, what what, what they're suggesting is, if you invade, we're going to put these sanctions on you. Well, what I think they should do, because I know Vladimir Putin doesn't think they're serious, what I think they should do is take a few of those sanctions and slap it on now. Slap the snout of the bully so he knows we're not fucking around. Don't wait till they invade a country, then it's impossible to get them out after they've hurt, injured, and killed tons of people. Fucking get them now. Back them down now. That's what you need to do. You don't wait on this shit. And hopefully Joe Biden will understand that and won't wait on this stuff. So did you hear about that little, I don't know, that little accident that uh, Joe Biden had? He was given a press conference and uh, taking questions from the crowd, all the press. And, of course, Peter Ducci, or as I call him, Peter Ducci, from uh, Fox News, constantly asking dumb questions. I mean, we see it every day with Jen Psaki. He says something stupid. Jen Psaki kicks his ass and puts him in his place. You would think you'd learn a lesson and stop doing that. But no, not Pete Ducci, because he's not a bright man. And apparently Joe Biden agrees with me on this because he asked Joe Biden a question about inflation or something like that. And uh, Joe Biden, while still on mic, while still in front of the cameras, I don't know if you thought they were off or he did this on purpose, but uh, he basically called Peter Ducey, or Ducey, whatever the fuck his name is, um, called him a stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> And, you know, I don't fault Joe Biden for doing that. I mean, Jesus, it was accurate. He is a stupid son of a bitch. In fact, several years before, he was questioning um, Senator McCain, a Republican. And all McCain did is look sideways at him and said, why would you ask a dumb question like that? So Peter Ducey has has a history of asking stupid questions, and this time he asked Joe Biden, and Joe Biden said he's a stupid son of a bitch. It was on mic, and it was on camera. And of course, of course, uh, Joe Biden apologized to them. But some people think he did it on purpose. Joe Biden needs to take a tougher stance on things. He needs to step up and speak out a little bit. Maybe he did that on purpose. He'd get a little embarrassment, may have to apologize, but it'll show what Joe Biden thinks of Fox fucking news. And I think some of the liberals and some of the Democrats will say, Jesus Christ, finally. But the funny thing about it is, is all these Republicans and all these reporters on Republican uh, networks are all crying and whining. Oh, I can't believe Joe Biden did that. That's so fucking mean. It questions his cognitive ability because when you get lose cognitive ability, you get grouchy. <laughs> What's ironic about this is they're all upset and butthurt that, that Joe Biden said Peter Ducey is a stupid son of a bitch. When that's absolutely true, I don't fault him for it. I think it was very perceptive of Joe Biden because uh, Peter Ducey is clearly a stupid son of a bitch. I'm sure Jen Psaki behind the scenes have said the same thing. What a stupid son of a bitch. John McCain, 
thought he asked dumb questions. So this this is accurate. But the funny thing is, they whine and complain about this, but I know Jim Acosta from CNN said something about this afterwards. Now, you remember what... Uh, what Donald Trump did to Jim Acosta. Jim Acosta was asking hard questions. And uh, Donald Trump basically said, be quiet, sit down. It's not your turn. Shut up. Be quiet. And then after that, he banned him from the press room. (laughs) Well, eventually he had to be accepted back into the press room because there's a little thing called, oh, I don't know, the First Amendment. Donald Trump didn't probably know about that, but they let him back in. Or when uh, Donald Trump made fun of that handicapped reporter. Funny thing about it is, for as butthurt as they are about Peter Ducey, Donald Trump never apologized to Jim Acosta or the handicapped uh, reporter or anybody else he talked shit to. Every time he was on screen out in the Rose Garden, he'd say, you ask dumb questions. You ask a lot of dumb questions. He never apologized for that shit. And for some reason, the Republicans didn't mind that. That goes to your credibility, Republicans. You're pretty you're pretty hypocritical, is what you are. And uh, you're not very bright on top of it. So if Joe Biden wants to call every Fox reporter a dumb son of a bitch, I'm with him. Because I agree with him. And they prove it every day on the air. Let's talk about other dumb sons of bitches. How about Alex Jones of InfoWars? <laughs> now, this guy is a fucking nightmare. I can't imagine being a relative of Alex Jones because he's such a fucking fool. Now, I remember listening to Alex Jones back several years before Joe Biden, and he was mostly in this, um, I don't know, conspiracy theory, paranormal type things. And it was pretty generic, and it was like the all the other paranormal and conspiracy theory shows. He was a goof, but he really didn't impact anything. But then when politics came around, and he's got his best buddy, Donald Trump, and now he's advising Donald Trump, he starts l- losing his shit. I mean, he went back through a point because he's for the Second Amendment. He sides with the NRA. And then when we had these poor kids killed by a shooter at Sandy Hook, he had the audacity, the audacity to say, oh, that was fake. That didn't really happen. Those were all crisis actors. Shut the fuck up, Alex Jones. You're a fucking idiot. So then what happens? The parents of these kids that were killed were upset and hurt. So they sue Alex Jones. And guess what? Alex Jones doesn't even show up. So he loses by default, and everything that everybody was asking from him, they got because he lost by default. This fucker, if he's not already broke, he will be broke very soon. So we'll see what happens with that. Well, in terms of the insurrection, we know he had a part in it. In fact, I saw speeches he gave where he... or talks on his podcast or whatever it is, and he said, yeah, Donald Trump asked me to lead the crowd down to the U.S. Capitol. This is days before the insurrection. So clearly there was some kind of plan, and he was involved in it. He was talking to Donald Trump. He said on his show that he was talking to Donald Trump. So naturally, the House Select Committee wants to talk to him. 
So they subpoena him. And guess what? He shows up. He fucking shows up. But he pleads the fifth more than a hundred times. He says, well, my my lawyer said I should do that because of this and because of that. But here's the thing. When he got there, he was surprised. He found out that they had his emails and his texts, and they know exactly what he was talking about. They didn't even have to interview him. They just wanted to see what he was going to do. They have, in his words, by his hand, exactly what was going on at that time because they had his emails and his text messages. Now, here's another guy shitting his pants. He's lost all his money. Now he's got to look at the prospect of going to fucking jail. So good riddance, Alex Jones. You're an idiot. You're an absolute fucking idiot. I mean, he spends most of his time on Joe Rogan's show. And uh, Joe Rogan is another piece of shit. Now, some people might say, well, Joe Rogan's got a most popular podcast in America. He's on Spotify. You're just jealous. Yeah, no. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, when Joe Rogan had his regular show and it was just kind of entertainment, it was fine. It was way too long for me. I wouldn't sit down and listen to a three and a half hour podcast. But a lot of the younger people liked. But then when the politics started coming in, the radical right and Alex Jones and the vaccinations and all this bullshit started happening. He got very annoying. I honestly think he signed a contract with Spotify for what, like a hundred million dollars. Let's be honest. You're listening to this podcast on anchor.fm, which is owned by Spotify and you can get my podcast on Spotify. Spotify hasn't called me about any money on this podcast, so Joe Rogan's far more popular than I am, at least at this point. But as soon as he took that money, it changed everything. As much as it was nice to get all that money, he probably would have been better off staying on his own. I mean, that's part of the reason why I do this podcast. I go on TikTok and I say some shit. And, you know, if there's a, a Trump fuck out there that feels bad. In fact, I did a TikTok about this Pete Ducey thing and how he, how the president called him a dumb son of a bitch. Yeah, somebody somebody reported it and it's taken down for violations. I've I've submitted a review and it'll come back on, but it's just a pain in the ass. But that's why I do this podcast. None of these fucking clowns can touch me. I can say what I want. If you don't like what I say, don't listen. If you do like what I say, feel free to listen. And you're going to listen for free. I'm not going to charge people money. I'm not going to do anything like that. I just want to have an audience who has of a like mind and we can talk about stuff. But as soon as Joe Rogan signed that deal, It fucking ruined him, and uh, he's gone down the wrong path, and and, uh, I'm tired of his shit. He's done nothing but make this worse. But here was the cool thing about Joe Rogan. Neil Young, famous singer, songwriter, incredibly talented, one of my favorites. Neil Young is now telling Spotify to take down all his music from their platform. Neil Young's saying, I don't want any of my music on Spotify. He said, you can have Joe Rogan or Neil Young, but you can't have both. So Neil Young's basically saying, if you got fucking Joe Rogan on this platform, I don't want to be on it. It'll be interesting to see what 
Spotify does, because they no doubt make a lot of money off of Neil Young, and they got $100 million invested into Joe Rogan. <laughs> I'm sure they will try to work out a better deal with Neil Young, but I think Neil Young isn't about money. I think he's got more than enough money right now, so I think he's just doing it out of, uh, out of principle. And God bless him for that. I appreciate that. Here's a guy that is more interested in integrity than money, which is exactly the opposite of what you get out of Alex Jones or Joe Rogan or any of the Trumplefucks. It's all about perception. It's all about money and power. Neil Young doesn't give a fuck about it. He's got his money. He's clearly a success. He's clearly talented. If they don't get it off Spotify, they'll get it from someplace else. So way to go. Neil Young. We got a lot about dumb fucks on this show. If you hear about this stuff going on in England with Boris Johnson, the prime minister there, yeah, he's kind of like a uh, Donald Trump light in England. He's a dipshit. The only difference, real difference between Boris Johnson and Donald Trump is their hair. Both have fucked up hair. Don't get me wrong about that. But Donald Trump's always perfectly quaffed because it's got a big bald spot it has to cover up. Boris Yel or I want to say Yeltsin, that's from Russia years ago. Boris Johnson has a full head of hair, but it's a fucking mess all the time. You would think if you were wealthy and famous and the prime minister of England, you might find a comb now and again or maybe some product to put in there to make it look halfway decent. But no. Fucking Boris Johnson's got his hair sticking up all over the place. Well, he got into some trouble because apparently during a lockdown, he had a little party, little get-together at 10 Downing Street, and that was against the law. Even though he's the prime minister, people got up in arms about it. So he comes out, he apologizes, he feels real bad about it, he feels sorry. Yeah, I made a mistake. But then we hear now he had multiple parties. I mean, he had multiple parties at 10 Downing Street at Whitehall. He was partying all the fucking time. Now the heat is really hot on Boris Johnson. In fact, they're talking about maybe finding a way to force him out of office because of all these uh, violations of, of the COVID lockdown and all these parties that he had. You know, he's an elite guy. He's a important, popular, famous guy, rich guy. He's a leader of England. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Forget about the peons out there. They they have to struggle for whatever they have to struggle with, but Boris Johnson can do whatever he wants. And I made the joke. I said, look, Boris Johnson's in trouble. He could lose his position because he was out partying, but that would never happen in America for one very good reason. Some of our musical forefathers, <laughs> the Beastie Boys, they said, you've got to fight for your right to party. So in America, we fight for our right to party. <laughs> Boris, Boris Johnson just do it, does it behind people's backs and, and gets in trouble for it. Do you think, do you think, uh, do you think uh, Donald Trump would have got kicked out of office if he had too many parties? No, I don't, I don't fucking think so. I don't think so at all. All right, what else we got going on here? Um, lawyer John Eastman, he was he, he testified in front of the uh, January 6th committee 
um, where he, now this guy wrote the strategy of uh, the whole coup. He was a lawyer that was tight to Donald Trump. He was over in that hotel room planning and strategizing the coup. He wrote the whole script for it. So he's in the thick of it. And he went to the January 6th committee to testify. And, of course, he did what a lot of these fucks do and pleads the fifth. I'm not talking about it. I've got special rights. Yeah, bullshit. It's not going to do you any good when you get indicted. Um, <laughs> I give the January 6th committee credit. They know how to fuck with these people, and they fuck with this guy. They asked him question after question. He said, I plead the fifth, I plead the fifth. I'm not giving you anything. <laughs> and then they said, okay, well, what we're going to do now is subpoena your emails and texts from the university that you uh, taught at or was affiliated with. And then he got real nervous. Oh, no, no, you can't do that because that would be uh, private, uh, private, a lawyer, private, com- uh, what do they call it? Lawyer, client communications where you can't let it out. And uh, that apparently is not true because we didn't even know that John Eastman was working for Donald Trump. He was we thought he was on the side trying to help the cause. And now by saying what he said, we now know that he was connected and or working for Donald Trump will put a whole different spin on this shit. So um, they're going after his emails and his texts coming from his place of work, which was a university in Delaware or something. And uh, he's nervous about that because you know what? These guys can testify, not testify, but when you've got their text and their emails in their own hands, ah, it's hard to deny that shit. It's impossible to deny that shit. Wanted to talk about Christian cinema quickly. She is the senator from Arizona who was, along with Joe Manchin, blocked changing the filibuster for one time, one day, one vote. She wouldn't do it. Well, now the Republicans back in Arizona aren't happy about this, and they've censured Christian cinema, which for all intents and purposes is a slap on the wrist. But if you're somebody who's a relatively new senator and you want to run again and all the Republican or all the Democratic Party. Did I say Republican? It was the Democratic Party that censored her because she's a Democrat, kind of. Uh, they censored her. And um, she's got everybody, all the Democrats in Arizona, hate this woman, just hate her. Now, they sent somebody down to ask, well, what do you think about how Christian Cinema's doing? Every Democrat said, we got to get rid of her, get her out of there. We're not going to vote for her again, get her out of there. But they did ask some people, and they said, what do you think? And they said, well, we think she's doing a good job. And you know who that was? The fucking Republicans. Republicans love her because she's doing the Republicans' bidding. But here's the problem, Kristen. No matter how bad they love you, how much they like you, when it comes to the election time, they're not voting for you. They're going to vote for a Republican. Even though you're a fake Democrat close to a Republican, you still have some liberal tendencies in your background. No Republican's going to vote for you. And unfortunately, the only people that like you are fucking Republicans. So you, young lady, 
are in fucking trouble. You're not going to be a senator very long. Now, I did hear that some of these people uh, have said that she's had plans to run for president in 2024. (laughs) Good one. You think any Democrat's going to vote for you? You think any Republican's going to vote for you? You won't even hold on to your Senate seat, which is up in 2024. So I think you maybe better start reworking your fucking image because you've got nobody who will vote for you. And you're going to be done in 2024 unless they find a way to kick you out sometime before then. Last thing I wanted to wrap things up with talking about another piece of shit from years gone by. Newt Gingrich. Remember him? He was the Speaker of the House between 1995 and 1999. He was in the House of Representatives. Um, he, He did a lot of shit. And he was a loudmouth, lying piece of shit. He was Donald Trump before Donald Trump. The only thing different between Newt Gingrich and Donald Trump is that Newt Gingrich understood politics and the business of being in the House of Representatives. Donald Trump had no clue what he was doing. He was acting like a bull in a china shop. At least Newt Gingrich had a slight bit of savvy. But he lied like nobody's fucking big business. He He is a Republican from Georgia. He was Speaker of the House. Now, Gingrich, even then, was a polarizing piece of shit. Now, there's a lot of rumors of a lot of scandals that went out with him. Now, he was rumored to have asked his wife for a divorce as she was laying in a hospital bed with cancer. Now, she survived cancer, but what kind of piece of shit asked their wife for a divorce while she's in a hospital for cancer. And it's reported that he said, well, you know, she's getting older. Um, He was running, he was going to run for president in 2012. He said, a president needs a younger, prettier wife, and she's just not there. What a sweetheart of a motherfucker, huh? He is an asshole, and he was an asshole then. And now what he's saying is that, well, when the Republicans take control of the House and the Senate, there's a good chance some of these January 6th committee members could go to jail for the crimes they committed. Oh, Jesus Christ. These people are doing a perfectly legal process as laid out by the Constitution. This guy is known to lie, and he will say anything to get people to believe him. Nobody on the J6 committee is going to jail. Quite the opposite. They're going to be sending people to fucking jail. And Newt Gingrich, your time is worn out. You're nobody. You haven't done anything in decades. So get the fuck out. Shut the fuck up. You're a piece of shit. And um, one of the other things he did, he, he admitted to cheating on his first and second wife. And then when it came to... um giving them money, support, or whatever it was. He did everything he could to cheat them out of the money. He's got a record of sending, uh, what, like 22 overdrafts? Okay, people get overdrafts. But he sent 22 overdrafts, totaling over $9,000 to the fucking IRS. He owed taxes, and he sends them bad checks. This is the kind of piece of shit he is. And now he's mouthing off about how the J6 committee is going to go to jail when the Republicans take over. I got a, I got a surprise for you, Newt. 
You aren't important. You are inconsequential. Nobody cares what you think. And the Republicans aren't going to win in 2022 in the House or the Senate. So shut the fuck up. Go back under your rock with all your buddies and leave this to the sane people to figure out. All right. That's going to wrap it up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back on a regular schedule again. I appreciate you holding on tight for me while I was away, but I am back now and we'll keep this thing rolling. Hope you have a great day and we will talk to you again real soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.